Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists. Like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Spentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. It's 3.15 a.m. in Pacifica, and you're listening to Night Call. Welcome to Night Call, a podcast for your strange days and lonely nights. I'm Molly Lambert, and here with me in Los Angeles is Tess Lynch, and over in New York we have Emily Yoshida. And joining us today, also from Los Angeles, we have a very special guest, Rachel True. Hi. Actually, I'm from New York, <laughs> and uh, but I live here, and I'm a night owl, so thank you for having me on Night Call. Wow. This is like a broadcast-only accent. Like, this, this you know what? I love it. I was just in New York, and I literally turn into your Jewish grandpa when I'm in front. <laughs> Coast, that's my actual patois, to be honest. Were you at Russ wow. and Daughters? Uh, no. What, did you, you oh, know? what were you doing? What was I doing? Oh, out <laughs> no whitefish. Uh, yeah. you, you might have heard I put up a little bit of a something on Twitter a couple months ago or not about I'm being excluded from something. So I, I went and did an event last month uh, that I forced people to invite me to. And well, it turned out well for everyone. Yeah. Do you want? Can we talk about that? At a, all? a little bit. I'm sure yeah. it's really boring. But no, it's not it's boring. Not boring. <laughs> no. Yeah. So Rachel was talking about how there was a convention, a horror convention that was a supposed to be a reunion of the craft, which Rachel is in, yeah. an integral member of the coven Rochelle. in, um, <laughs> and they invited all 
the other girls and not her. And she called them out on Twitter, <laughs> rightfully, saying, hey, you guys didn't invite the one black girl in the group <laughs> to be part of the group. And like this used to happen during the press tour. <laughs> When the movie came First out. First of all, stuff. I didn't know people read my tweets. Okay. <laughs> that is how I learned that people actually read my tweets. Um, I didn't really think any nobody cares about my tweets. So I was um very surprised that people responded. Um and it resonated with them. And and let me be clear too, because um conventions are, you know, this sort of world where you go and you meet people and you sign autographs, and it's very surreal. Mm-hmm. The first one I did, literally every picture, I'm like, why are you touching me? <laughs> so then and uh, I haven't done terribly many, but with this particular one, the party line was, no, 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 Rachel, it's it's not a reunion. We just have, uh, Nev's there because of Scream. Uh, Farouz is just there because she was supposed to be there the year before. And Robin, who's never done another no. horror movie, is uh, is there because it's her first one. But it's not a reunion. And if it was, of course we'd want you there. I heard this from so many fucking people oh that God. I finally That's was. Crazy. Well, what I finally said is, yeah, you know why it's not a reunion? Because you fucking won't invite me. Oh, yeah. can I swear? Yeah, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm in here. I'm going to try to be better. But I had to explain to um, lots of my fabulous white friends, too. No, no, it's you're missing the point. It would be a reunion if they would invite me. So now what happened right. was I gave them a huge headline. Tons of people showed out. Everybody made a lot more money because we were all there. And part of my thing, too, is when I go to these events, I haven't done very many. I'm the only black person there. I'm the only right. black person everywhere I go. The last one that I just did, which they were kind enough to invite me after I might have twisted a few arms. Um, <laughs> I was the only black woman. And then there was an eight year old black child there who did an episode of something. And that was it. So I do feel now that I'm an old lady, I can speak out about things because I'm Gen X, you know, yeah. and I was taught. Uh, be quiet. Don't worry about it. As long as it's not too overt and in your face, just deal with it. You know, as a black person, mixed yeah. person growing up, I mean, it was wow. like my white dad and black stepmom were like, listen, this is how it is. You're going to be treated terribly. And and you just suck it up. I think it's just I took a page from the millennials book and I was like, I'm going to whine in public about this. <laughs> and, and I think that it was probably good to bring awareness, not just for me, but for other people. There's yeah. so many other people in my same boat. Well, Tess and I are huge fans of the craft. It was one of the thing, reasons we became friends. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. So is Emily. So is Emily. Tess and I, I mean, just like we saw it together yeah. probably for the first time. Yeah. You we were like, two. Yeah. Did you guys notice that our skirts got shorter as our powers got stronger? <laughs> as they should. As they should. Well, yeah, <laughs> I do remember hearing an interview with Andy Fleming, the director on NPR years back back in the day. And he was like, oh, you know, it's a metaphor for female sexuality. And, and that's so true, I think, because <laughs> we become women, right, from tween to teen. It's a to metaphor. To women, all those things. <laughs> There's so many new things circulating in us and new ideas and thoughts and what we can do. And so I think that the, the witchcraft is a perfect analogy for it. And actually, I love I was talking to Feruza Balk, who plays Nancy in the craft um, the other week. And um, she. He said something to me really kind. Like, people always say I look young. I don't look young at all. You I'm look super look young. No, I don't. I don't. I'm going to be on an ep- a couple episodes of Better Things where you'll see me looking like every inch of an adult that I oh, am. Oh, that's awesome. You're going to yeah. be on Better Things. Yeah. Love that show. So Farooza goes, you look really young. And I was like, oh, girl, it's a glamour. And then we just started trading lines from the movie. And there was something really cute about that, like, almost a quarter of a century later. Well, you I know? think that's that long how often do you see a movie with, like, cool. four female protagonists at yeah. all, you know? And I guess you're right. Part huh? of the reason the movie is 
so good is because <laughs> you're in it and your storyline is like very well, interesting. No, I appreciate that because I cop to this fully. I'm in a documentary that is so good, you guys, on Shudder.com, right. which is owned by AMC. Uh, and it's called Hara Noir. It's based on a book written yeah. by a college professor called Robin Means Coleman. So it's already a more erudite yeah. take on this. It's not just, here's a slasher Hover, film. Here's the one. Noir. Here's, it's not a chronological order, just that. <laughs> it is the reflection of black people uh, in films. And so... Um, being in that, I cop to the fact that when I got the craft, I remember thinking, and this is sort of mortifying for me, but I remember thinking, um, oh, well, she's burned and, and um, you yeah. know, she's crazy. And she tried to commit suicide. What's my problem? I don't have a problem. Racism. Yeah, that, uh, that's a given. It's a given that yeah. people are going to be horrible and racist to me. No, what is my actual problem? And I remember then thinking, do they think blackness is my problem? Why does she get punished at the end? Like, she didn't do anything <laughs> wrong with her yeah. powers. Like That's yeah. actually true. I didn't. Yeah. And, you know, I had a scene with my parents that was cut, which is kind of too bad because everyone else has parents. But right. don't worry, they didn't have any dialogue. Dialogue, so it doesn't matter. I remember my dad, the actor, being like, can you get us a line? And I was like, yeah. I'm trying to keep my own, sir. <laughs> so it's interesting now to then. Like, things have changed. Yeah. I mean, at the time, I had to really fight to be included in that movie. You know what I mean? To get to read for it. So That's so crazy. And it's such a, like, huge, like, I don't know, it feels like a big, like, how far we've come, but also, I guess, how much we still have to do, like, with us being such a huge thing yeah. this weekend, like, as far as, you know, representation in horror. And also not have Having it be, you know, like the, the the horror doesn't necessarily have to do with race in it. It's like uh, it's about a bunch of things. It's about a, a family. It's about- in a horror noir, they tw- there's a line from Blackula, which is a 70s black exploitation version of Dracula, right? And um, Blackula turns one of his friends, and he's a very smooth count, and he turns his friend into a vampire. And the friend looks in the mirror, and he's like, "What? what is a man if he cannot see his own reflection? And that, I think, is mm-hmm. such a beautiful analogy yeah. for how black people in America mm-hmm. felt for a long time in terms of cinema. Yeah, yeah. Like, can't see, even me growing up, like, right. I can't see my reflection anywhere. There, who is the person who looks like me? So I'd really gravitate, of course, towards that one person of, like, I remember being fascinated with the courtship of Eddie's father, which was actually before my time, but in repeats, because there yeah. was an Asian woman on it. Somebody different. Somebody right. was yeah. other. Yeah. yeah. You know. Anyway. By the way, when does this documentary come out? Oh, it's out already. Okay. It's, on, it's, it's streaming yeah. on a platform. Platform called Shutter.com. And it's Horror Noir. Yes. And they have been showing it in New York, and I think they were showing it at BAM. Yeah. Um, I think it's kind okay, of making good. its rounds around the different uh, art houses and stuff and independent theaters in New York. Yeah. It's funny, like, I did the documentary, and then they were like, we're having a premiere. And I just thought, oh, it's going to be some little tiny thing. And they had a real premiere and everything. And I was like, a press line, which if you're a woman and you don't know there's a press line, and then you have to do a press line, it's a little traumatizing. <laughs> yeah. Horrible. So then I go in and yeah, watch the documentary, morning. and it's great. And I, listen, I'm a realist. I wouldn't sing this high praise of it if I didn't actually, hadn't learned so much from it. Mm-hmm. And it pointed out uh, beautiful art house films made by black people that I hadn't heard of. So um, I'm thrilled yeah. to be a part of that. That's awesome. Cool. That's so cool. Yeah, it feels like horror is having a moment of like, you know, social horror makes a lot of sense because it's like, you know, for horror to be about something rather than just sort of like scaring you. Torture porn was so big during... 
Well, that makes sense after nine、uh, eleven. That's what、yeah. I was just when you、say. think about. <laughs>、yeah. even, oh yeah, even, it's the most appropriate form. Even the form. superhero thing,、yeah. which I'm yeah, over. I know, Unless I know, you want to put me in one, <laughs> then I'm just so cool with、yeah. it. But that's the reaction to nine eleven, and it's you know twenty years later, and I feel like that genre.、Uh, I, I mean, I get it as a parallel for us, but I kind of maybe because I'm a grown up in Gen X, like I really miss nineties indie indie movies. I、yeah. have been talking.、Totally. About erotic thrillers. That's why we went on the erotic、Exotica? thrillers bandwagon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just all that stuff because we're like, oh, these movies are about like grownups having problems. Yeah, they're about like interpersonal <laughs> problems. Fatal attraction in particular was like the most just intimate, like you know, scaled down horror film in a、oh, lot of ways. That's true. That is a horror when you think about yeah, it. Yeah, it's a、right? psychological it's a horror, horror movie.、Yeah. Right. It's it's more even、troubling. us. You wouldn't if you were a hardcore horror fan. You're going to be like, is that horror? You're right. Just right. just like Get Out. You're not going to be entirely sure. But there are different veins of horror, yeah, many veins of horror. Yeah, and as much as I feel like the the elevated horror or like you know thinking person's horror, I'm using like heavy scare quotes <laughs> over that. Is like there's been like a lot of great things that have come out that I guess you could file under that that banner. But I feel like there's still so much to be done with like just like. Scaring people in like different contexts and different <laughs> cultural contexts, and like you know, like I, I feel like there's a lot of room for、uh, well, you would yeah, you would think、innovation. that genres like <laughs> you always think like fringy genres where you can experiment more should theoretically like be more experimental in terms、yeah. of like who gets to make movies like. Something like、yeah. horror, or well, like- what's interesting to me, I guess, coming from my Gen X perspective, is I thought once, you know, there was a little、uh, a video camera in everyone's hand that we would have more of a revolution, yeah, in filmmaking. Yeah, it was like Blair Witch. Yeah, that was it. But like, kind of,、yeah. or you know,、um, <clears throat> Sean Baker shot Tangerine on an iPhone, I think.、Um, uh-huh. But I'm just surprised there aren't more and more and more people doing that because we have the means. And my my note to people is,、um, you can have a kind of fuzzy. Video, you know, you can shoot on an iPhone, but your sound better、yeah. be tight as fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, really, right? Your、yeah. sound should be tight because then people will stick with <laughs> it, even if the picture is a little mushy. But、yeah. I want to sidebar and give you some praise because I don't remember why I started following you, but. I know I read stuff by you. We have people in common that we know, but I just loved your New Yorker article、um, on your grandma and the novel. Oh yeah, Molly. If、Thank、if anyone、you. out there missed it, you've got to look <laughs> no, up. No, it's、Molly's. such、yeah. a good article.、Yeah. Uh, it's really just so well written, and then also like I loved it already, and then you had me, you got me when your grandma's favorite people was Serena, and, and I, mean, <laughs> I was like, yes, yes, yes. She's an athlete. She knows. So、uh, you know, that's kind of why I probably started following you, and then I found out we had some writer friends. In common and things well, like that. I've always been a fan of your work.、Uh, Rachel's also in Half Baked, another movie. <laughs> so dumb.、Yeah. No, it's amazing. <laughs> it's it's so dumb. It is really、like、funny. You, really bet, you were in like you know you're the craft. You're in Half Baked. You're in a Gregor Aki movie. Like these are all movies that have a lot of like cultural cachet with everybody.、Yeah. We know. I like to be in culty things that nobody really sees. No, but you know what hit me the other day or a while back was like I was like oh. You know, I may not have been in this, that, or the other thing, right? But I was in these weird things that、yeah. people know the names of. Yep, like、yeah. people call me Rochelle and Mary Jane and Mona from my TV show. Like the 
there's discernible names that people can attach to me. And I thought that that's kind of cool. I it's guess. So cool. Really cool. And it's the kind of stuff that like now, especially like kids even younger than us, like the generation below us, it's the stuff that they're all Googling because they've heard somebody mention it and it like has this aura around it. And they're like, oh, I need to like go look up all those Greg Well, Rocky speaking of Greg Araki, yeah. he's got a TV show out now, I think on Stars um, yeah. with the same alien yeah. from nowhere. Uh, <laughs> but what I loved about mm-hmm. that Greg Araki movie was, again, those weird indie things back in the day where we're just, we got a barn, we're making a movie. And what Greg did with just paint, for example, when you look at the the walls um, in that movie and, and the backdrops are so gorgeous, it's all just really inexpensive stuff. So when people, because for instance, yeah. like I dated a guy for a minute who I, he's a great guy, but he's like Eeyore. I'd be like, hey, I got an idea. Let's shoot this thing. And, blah, blah, blah. and he'd be like, well, you know, yeah. Yeah, we can't yeah. because, and so we, we broke up. Um, but I just know that like, I'm like, you got a barn, you can do it. And I love that attitude yeah. of like, let's just try and see what we get. Um, And those images, like that image of me up against the wall in nowhere, that's amazing. I wish I looked like that. I mean, I don't think I, (laughs) even then I didn't look like that, but it's neat to see. Yeah. Um, Anyway. Hey, folks. If you love true stories about extraordinary life experiences, we think you'll love the Risk podcast. Risk is the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. Stories too uncensored for public radio. On Risk, nothing's too intimate or too strange. Like the one about the guy who got kidnapped by the drug cartel, or the girl who discovered she was living with a cannibal, or the woman who learned the person she was sharing kinky fantasies with online was her dear old dad. You'll hear real people sharing about life experiences so funny, so scary, so mystifying, you won't believe your ears. Find it all at riskshow.com or just search on your podcast app for risk. That's R I S K exclamation point or risk hyphen show.com. I want to hear about Rachel's other, would you say it's like your moonlighting job or <laughs> your, your other career, your career of the night? <laughs> uh, well, you know, I, I do a few different, here's what I always try to say. I do many, many, many different things. And so I think there was a yeah. moment there were people trying to pigeonhole me as, she's quit acting. And she's, no, I do many things. Yeah. Also, sidebar yeah. too, I had a, you know, after my TV show ended, I had a major illness, which nobody, I know people don't want to talk about people. Nobody wants to hear that you were any anything but perfect and perfect what looking, right? Um, I had a very right. common thing that white women called tumors uh, and black women call fibroids. Yes. <laughs> and I think the distinction is interesting because um, yeah. black women are like, no big deal. And every white woman I've ever met is like, I have a tumor and I'm dying. I'm like, so basically um, I was riddled with these things inside and out. I looked eight months pregnant. I could barely walk. I could barely breathe, actually. Yeah. Oh, I let it go too far. It was a benign condition yeah. that I didn't, because the doctor said, black lady, don't worry about it. It's very common. Don't check it. And that's oh, why I'm God. talking about it on this podcast because black women if you have fibroids or yeah. white women any women it can affect your fertility it can affect every it first of all insane from the hormone imbalance as well you do not get that without a mm-hmm. severe hormone imbalance yep. so cut back to my other things that I do are just things I've always done my whole entire life but yes when I went through a period of being um, you know again in this town if you were anything but perfect people back away from you mm-hmm. so when I wasn't feeling you know wasn't really healthy and feeling well it was just an odd time, and I had to redecipher who I was and what I was uh, based mm-hmm. on myself, not outside. So I just got back into the stuff I've mm-hmm. always done. Like as a small child, 
old. But I was in foster care from zero to four, right? Then my dad eventually came and got us, my white dad, um, with his new black wife. And um, he had this huge bookcase that I called the library. And the book, <laughs> the, when you're four, it looks like a library. So the books, and I could read a little bit. My stepmother taught us to read. And the books I would pull down were Nietzsche's uh, Beyond Good and Evil and Carl Jung's Man and His Symbols. So was I actually reading the books? I doubt it. I could read a couple words here and there, right? But I was very drawn to the pictures and the covers and the things, uh, and the, the concepts of good and evil. What is that? What is beyond what I could see yeah. at four years old? And I also felt like I was super intuitive even at that age. I felt like at that age I could kind of look at someone, kind of know what they were thinking and it made them very uncomfortable. So cut to someone gives me a tarot deck like when I'm eight and I'm like, oh my God, it's the same, it's the same language as those books. It's what Carl Jung was talking about. It's all interrelated. Mm -hmm. Do you remember Mm -hmm. which deck it was? I think it was just a basic Rider Waite deck. Um, So which should be called the Rider Waite Smith deck because what the artist, Pamela Coleman Smith, who has a, there's a book out about her and Mary Kay Greer who was one of the people I gravitated towards her tarot books back in the day as one of the authors of that. So I yeah. became interested in tarot because of that. And I was always interested in weird esoteric. I'm a Scorpio. Yeah, no. <laughs> so it just was a natural extension. This is like my little catchphrase for tarot. And I've had this my whole life, which is it's kind of like a shrink in a box. Yeah. You know, it's literally yeah. a way to go, what's happening? Carl Jung says the best way to predict the future is to determine how the present evolved from the past. So is there a little magic and and mysticism in the tarot absolutely but really it's just a very practical way because I can look at an image and and it evokes an emotion a visceral emotion in me and you're going to have a completely different reaction to that so that's kind of where I think there's the magic of of tarot it's interesting because I showed my son who's um, almost seven a tarot deck recently and his reactions to the cards were really interesting yeah I mean just some of the darker cards he was like oh this is really cool this is really powerful, which is well, really what a lot of them mean. But to me, I'm like, oh, shit. But that you this know? kid resonated yeah. with the image. You know, yeah. nobody needs to have explained here. It's the visceral yeah. feeling. So yeah. to me, I became interested in tarot because of that. And then, coincidentally, before I got the craft, like, this is actually a true story. Like, about nine months before I, that script landed in my lap, my TV broke. So I just really <laughs> delved into tarot studies. Like, I have notebooks and notebooks of, you know, just my thoughts and my, uh, my layouts and my readings and all those things. And so when the script showed up nine months later, I was like, I think I'm ready for this shit. And if anyone's going to be a black witch, it's me. So um, cut to again after I was sort of recovered. You know, I remember like disassociating from my body, floating up to the ceiling as I spread out on the couch. Right. And that was my clue to get back in my body, get healthy again. And that is why I appreciate when people say you look good or you look good because I fucking work for this shit. And I do attribute tarot to helping me get through some of those more difficult moments, yeah. you know. And then I was supposed to play Marie yeah. Laveau in a movie. I'd read cards for myself and my friends for years and years and years, yeah. but I'd never read for, like, strangers, you know what I mean? Like, So I was like, all right, I'll go, you know, do some tarot at House of Intuition. And um, it was fucking interesting. <laughs> so people would come in and be staring at me. Hopefully that movie will come uh, back together because it fell apart in prime indie style. No. <laughs> As they're want to do. By the way, House of Intuition um, is in Echo Park, right? Sure. It I think is, it's yeah. a, there's a few. There's one on Melrose, actually. Oh, nice. And right near They have a few, right but they were, they were actually um, really strange with me. They were supposed to, we were supposed to develop a product together and stuff, and we didn't, and so eventually I just was like... Gotta do your uh, own. Yeah. Well, you know what I'm saying. They got mad at me for not putting them on my Instagram, and I was like, you got your own. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really. 
Like, listen, now I can read people without the cards. And that's yeah. what I believe for everyone uh, is that we have intuition, right? Gut. And, and we're learning now how much gut bacteria and gut stuff is so important to our mental health. And so there, that expression, gut intuition, comes from something. Yeah. And so what I love tarot cards for is helping me discern, you right. know, what's real, what's Memorex. Memorex is an old thing. You young kids <laughs> might not know. <laughs> but, you know, what's real and what do you want it to be? I think yeah. that's the hardest thing for tarot. Artists. And what but, are you afraid of? And what are you in? afraid yeah. of? And also, when you look at a deck, there's 78 cards, right? There's 22 major arcanas, and those carry more weight when you get them. Because, by the way, I keep forgetting to mention, I sold a book. Yes, um, yes please. Yes. <laughs> I, like, yeah. I always bury the lead. So the exciting part out of coming out of all that with doing the tarot work was um, I sold a book to Houghton Mifflin Harcourt, which to me was like a big deal. You know, it like, is just, a big I'm, deal. Oh, I was an yeah. avid reader as a kid. I read a book a day. <laughs> so now, to be able to write a book and write it myself yeah. to not only ghostwritten like a lot of actors do has been an interesting process. I don't know how you do it, Molly. <laughs> but I'm so excited because the goal of the book, True Heart Tarot, um, and deck set, I'm designing a deck with a young Canadian artist as well, is to reach people who, you know, I think a lot of my people, my brown people are really scared of this stuff. And I want to be like, it's just paper and cards, yeah. people, and a way to get in touch with yourself. Like, as my religious friends say, God is everywhere. God is everywhere. But then God is inside you, right? So this is a way for you to get in touch with the knowledge that God, the God inside you, can give you. Um, that's what I hope, because I so many little girls come up to me and they're like, I really want to be to do tarot, but my mom says the devil. And I'm like, I don't know what tarot you're doing, because I don't, I don't I don't mess with the devil yeah. or things right. like that. It's not incompatible with Christianity. Or right. Whatever. It's not out yeah. of alignment with Christ consciousness or whatever your bag is, yeah. you know, which is not mine. Thank mm-hmm. you, parents. <laughs> but um, the book also has 22 memoir essays, by cool. the way. Nice. So it's uh, for the major arcana is from the fool to the world. Some of those are 90s stuff. Some of those are about my life now. Just, you know, di- different things. But. Boy, do you get tired of yourself when you're writing <laughs> about yourself. You do. And then because it's a tarot book and I'm talking about heavy cards, I've got to cough up some stuff that, yeah. from my life that I'm not that happy about. And that, like my devil essay, oh, I'm so mortified. But you know what? We all have done things we're mortified about, yeah. I think. you know, Or maybe I'm the only one. Uh, no. No, that's what it's good for. <laughs> yeah. That's why it's like psychology. It's like you have to deal with the things you don't want to deal with. Yeah. Well, that's the, you know, it's interesting. I was doing tarot readings for a friend of mine who was a trainer. And um, we did a few readings. And by the fourth or fifth reading, she was like, uh, this is getting really difficult. This is getting harder. And I said, yeah, kind of like your workouts. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, oh. Ouch. And I do find the more work I do with that, the more um, in alignment I get in other areas. Like I've let go of, you know, like let's say, you know those friends we all have that we we are always have confrontation with or there's some kind of pull to them, but we talk shit about that. They're gone because yeah. you know what? <laughs> with my friends... We, th- we we want to throw roses at each other's backs. We don't want to talk shit about each other, right? Yeah. Um, and I feel really great now. And it's weird because I'm old now. You I was saying like, that, but Rachel, you're no, not old. I wish I'd figured some of this stuff out earlier, yeah. I guess, is my lament. Do you know what I mean? Because you're right. I'm not old. Um, but it seems but, like that's why you're writing the book, because you're like, if I can pass any of yeah, this exactly. on. Yeah, exactly. I hope so. It's sort of like why I whinge on about health stuff on Twitter, you know, and just try to say, hey, women, like men, women, don't fear aging, you know, because... Yeah. I had a brother who passed away at 28. You know, the alternative to not being my age is being dead. So I'm fine with being my age. Well, we talk about this a little. Also, how old are you? Oh, 52. 
Wait, it would be 5,200. That's why I always make jokes about being a time lord because sometimes and I feel like I slip through time and I don't do even slip know. Time. You yeah. are an ageless traveler. <laughs> As you get older, you realize you're never going to like feel older. You're just going to like be yourself. Yeah, exactly. The, the, That's good you know aging. that because it's true. I just feel like me. It's Nothing. comforting and disappointing. It is comforting and disappointing, <laughs> although there's different er- areas where I'm more mature. You know, like yeah. now I really understand. Somebody said, what, what did you learn from your exes? And I've learned from all of them, like heavy is the head that wears the crown. Because this is my kingdom, so I cannot afford to let in people, places, or things yeah. that are going to mess with um, mess with the flow of that. So that's nice to know as an adult. Because when I was younger, I was like, oh, you're a horrible guy? Hi. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so just shifting things like that. Um, well, I feel like also like the reason that people fear aging, especially women, is because like you don't see older women in movies and TV as much as you well, see them yes. in reality. Yes. And in reality, everybody knows cool women of all ages right yeah and you're just like that's normal but then it's like if you don't see it in movies you start to be like is it real right exactly you guys i went from so my on my sitcom i play i always play 10 years younger than i was but anyway after that ended and i got i wasn't even sick yet all of a sudden my bet started blasting my age every six months and i was like thanks be fucking t (laughs) yeah I remember in the 90s, I did an interview with them, and they kept saying, I said, as a black actress, and they were like, African-American? And I was like, aren't you the black entertainment? Right. <laughs> but all of a sudden, my auditions literally went from, like, uh, you know, 35, 40-year-old woman to grandmas. And I don't know if you're familiar with the black grandma on the couch trope, right? But that's not me. Like, I'm not, oh, I'm so tired. I just got home from church, y'all. That's not me yet. It will be me soon. And could I, could I be a grandma in real life? Absolutely. This is what I always say about this is why women love the Real Housewives franchise is because it's about women, like just Wrong older women. women. Yeah. They're having the dumbest fights over nothing <laughs> yeah. all the time. And that's like the luxury. That's why I call it like brain bleach because I watch it. Yes. Like, oh, these stupid problems that like don't matter. But this is why Felicia Fasano is casting person for a bunch of different shows, but for better things kind of hunted me down in August. But I love this show so much because um, it is about a grown woman. Pamela is exactly my age. So I fought the show for the whole first year and didn't watch it because I was like, oh, yeah, it's about a mother and her kids. Uh-huh. I don't have kids. I'm bad. And then I finally watched it and went, oh, it's not about a mother and her kids. Yeah. It's just about being a woman. Yep. You know, that's it's such a great show. So I'm thrilled to be a part of that. And also, let me sing her praises for how she shot that show it was literally like working on a 90s uh, indie film, like a Sundance indie movie. She's got four different cameras going. She's literally directing and acting in this and still has time to go, yo, somebody get Rachel a fan. She's having a hot flash. <laughs> so it was incredible. It was an actor's sandbox. It's not that I'm more discerning about what I do uh, at all. I'll do whatever. I got sucked out of a plane in um, Sharknado 12. You know, I don't care. Yeah. But to be able to do that kind of stuff is is a turn on. Well, speaking of entertainment for grown-ups, um, maybe the dark side of entertainment for grown-ups. Um, <laughs> in continuing uh, our erotic odyssey. <laughs> We watched the 1995 William Friedkin film, Jade, this week. And uh, lucky for us, Rachel has also seen Jade. I don't know how recently. When was the last time Okay, you I was going to do prep right. yesterday, and then I was like, no. No, it's totally no, for this. No. no. Oh, I have seen it. You yeah. remembered. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's totally. all we need. 
As long as you have the impression of it somewhere in your mind. Who doesn't? Like (laughs) I Had anyone ever seen Jade before other than Rachel? I had seen parts of it. I hadn't seen the whole thing. I had never seen it. I just knew it's legendary. Legendary bomb. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was a career killer uh, for several years. Like it basically, this and Showgirls was sort of the end of the Esther Haas show. Esther Haas, so. my favorite screenwriter of all time. <laughs> Ever. He, they said they rewrote this whole script, but there was one line in there that we all know was Joe Esther <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, the best line, which is Crystal Beluga Wolfgang Puck. It's a fuck house. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds coke fueled, if it's you ask me. It's the most me. 1995 oh, thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. a little bit. Listen, <laughs> I got a soft spot for the 90s. So this I'm is the cokiest movie. Um, I hated this film like so much. <laughs> was it the misogyny or the misogyny? Yay. No, well, I we finished watching it and I was like, I could not tell you the plot of that movie. <laughs> like, I could not tell you. What are you right. talking about? Linda Fiorentino's the head of a ring of prostitutes. She's Jade. Well, She's who will Jade. give you whatever you she want. She gives you whatever you want, yeah. and they're blackmailing the governor. Did Linda Fiorentino marry, like, where'd she go? Because she's amazing, She's and I hope she married amazing. a gazillionaire. Yeah. So and is a gazillionaire herself, yeah. right? On her own she marriage. Should, but I just like how... Freakin' like directed her and basically everybody in this movie, but like especially her to just like talk in her very register. So it's like she's (laughs) yeah, she's just like just like the very very lowest you could be and still get. But you guys have to understand that Linda Fiorentino in the nineties. That's in, but that was definitely her thing. Talk very low, but also yeah, she was considered very ethnic. Well, that what? okay. Really? Let's talk yes. about really? let's talk about she's how weird. Italian. You know that, what I mean? Oh okay, that's weird. But there's also a very weird subtext the, in this oh, movie where you're Asian. like, why isn't she Asian? It yeah. would make <laughs> so sense, much more right? sense if she was Asian. Yeah. It feels like the. It feels like the ring of prostitutes should be. Her Asian. name is Jade, like the, and the whole the movie takes Asian. place in Chinatown. <laughs> no, obviously. And they talk. Con- no, the whole movie takes place in Chinatown. I forgot it was it, in China. Yeah, no, it's, 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 and the whole thing, the whole like uh, visual theme of the movie is Asian is, stuff. Uh, various people running through Chinese people trying to do yeah, stuff, trying yeah. to go have their business, do a sh- have a parade, do their tai chi. Yeah, but you guys, an, an Asian woman in that role would have been such a trope, right? But also just know that it was the 90s and they went well we could cast someone Asian but that won't sell right yeah, so like, let's get someone who's right. uh, white but not entirely what she's Italian that's kind of ethnic yeah put Linda in there that's, that's so how that went down. by yeah. the way the casting of this several people turned down yeah. roles <laughs> I would just like to just briefly pass through Warren Beatty turned down the role of David Corelli before, or yeah, David Corelli before it went to David Caruso. David Caruso, I blame for much of how yeah, I did David not like Caruso this film. is the reason this movie does not work. They at all. dressed you him think? so weird. Why was but, he wearing this giant coat have, and these blousy who wants pants? To fuck and, David Caruso. I know. Apologies to David Caruso. No, sorry, David. <laughs> I know no. lots of people. Want I don't to think fuck anybody you. does yeah. in this movie. Look, to not, be fair, like, like <laughs> he's not a void of sexual charisma. Oh, uh, Chaz Palminteri is way hotter than David Cruz. Oh, yeah. don't want to fuck yeah. him either. That was that <laughs> role was offered to Kenneth Branagh, and he oh. takes her. So, but then Julia so Roberts and Sharon Stone turned down Katrina Gavin, which went to Linda Fiorentino. Right, but she was like, "I'm not yeah. going to take the role unless you tone down the prostitution stuff." 
Uh-huh. So, it, I mean, this this yeah. movie was so rewritten. And William Friedkin, super strangely, was like, I am the most proud of this movie. <laughs> I have no yeah, idea why it didn't do well. He was like, I think it was maybe The Exorcist Curse. Yes, that's Aww. why. That's that's I'm why. I'm gonna say it's because, like, listen, I I remember Caruso leaving yeah. his TV show and all that, and I the reason I remember is because even then I remember thinking, motherfucker, gonna leave his own show, and he barely charismatic, uh, ca- charismatic. I just, <laughs> but I listen, he's a great actor. I've always thought he was a tremendous actor. Yeah. I was like, it's an interesting move to leave your own lead TV show where you're making gazillions of yeah. dollars. Oh wow, that's a luxury that white people have, huh? They can quit their high paying job. Listen, every job I've ever got, almost I have been told, you better take it or leave it. They have another black girl. So that is the world I come from. And then I'm like, this motherfucker is leaving a show. But also, the 90s, um, big stars were doing adverts in Japan, you know, commercials and adverts. And big stars, uh, TV stars were TV was TV, film was film. Never the twain shall meet. You did not cross. You did not cross over. So it was very different than now. It was such a weird. I was saying also, like, when did Clooney depart ER? Because he's the successful version of Caruso trying to leave NYPD. But he he also left it in, like, season 10, though. There's a difference between leaving. Leaving your two year, uh, my show is the hottest show on TV. Caruso, who left right. his hot show after two, it I wasn't also very many seasons. Feel like David Caruso, like he's not George Clooney. <laughs> you know? I, I hate that Say we're that shitting on David Caruso. In like one or two, I will, we have look, to. As a redhead, I'm yeah. allowed to talk about David Caruso. <laughs> you are. And say that this is yeah. not about all male redheads. Well, it's also the wardrobe in this movie was like <laughs> it, there were crimes committed. But like, come on, the 90s, which the was fact, better than the 80s. Like by the way, I had a true. bite of a sun dried tomato the other day and I had an 80. <laughs> flashback and I was like get this out of my mouth oh, we've talked about our, our plans to do a like 90s themed cafe called Romaine Memories <laughs> like, that's, that's one of our side projects that I we want to work do on it. it's all sun dried tomatoes what is it everything. about you guys that you love that because you guys I mean listen I, I shouldn't I'll stop saying I'm old but you guys are younger and what is it about that decade that you guys gravitate towards that now we live in well, a we hell we were younger oh, I, think I think it was the thing of not really being able to participate in it fully like the, you guys are like a couple years older than me but I think it's the thing of like when you're on the cusp of being able to participate culturally in a decade then you want to like you, you want to revisit it even more once yeah. you're an adult and you're yeah. able to. It's yeah. also that like yeah. I think I mean we not to load this podcast with lots of 9-11 but let's go ahead. I mean I think you look back to your parents in the 80s and 90s and your especially parents. now and you're just like well my parents were my age you know in the early 80s. Oh yeah and the so, idea that the people yeah. in these movies are like the age that we are is like hilarious and, to me and hard. Yeah. Like in Hand yeah. Rocks the yeah. Cradle, I'm like, look at all these grown ups. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they own a house. They must yeah. be a hundred. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, you know. I feel like somebody, I saw somebody on Twitter talking about, like, we're working up through the nostalgia through these different decades, and we're kind of nearing the end of the, the run of 90s nostalgia movies and, and TV and everything, but it's going to be really weird to see how, like, TV and film reckons with any kind of nostalgia. Yes. Yeah, what do you, uh, yeah. like, what but also, like? I mean, the aughts were kind of shitty to me. I mean, yeah, I don't ever want to see another terrible. fucking yeah. juicy tracksuit yeah. in my life and all that <laughs> bullshit. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah, I have no... No nostalgia for that period, as I always I out. found it you interesting will. that I read an article about, um, you know, they were talking about Gen X and the silent generation, and maybe it's because they were so disappointed by all the promises of their youth. And I was like, what promises? We were the generation who was told, you will not you will not be more successful than your parents. Yeah. And we were told, your life is shit, and it's going to be shit. And they were kind of right. I mean, again, what generation are you? I'm an, I'm an old millennial. We're, we're old all millennial. old millennials. Oh, I'm the oldest yeah. Gen X. Someone said to me, no, you're a baby boomer. And I was like, <gasps> no. <laughs> no. 
Oh, you're like, I was in a Gregor Aki movie. I'm 100% yeah, yeah, Gen hello. X. That's what yeah. I said to I was like, listen, Absolutely I am not. literally the manic pixie black girl of the 90s. <laughs> I am Gen X. All I knew was like, I remember the stink moment the 80s ended for me. And, and the 90s began was this boy asked me to be, this guy, this hot guy I was dating, who's now a famous actor, said, meet me at his house. And I go to the apartment building and... I hear two doors. One door is a Billy Joel. There's people inside singing, we will all go down with the ship. <laughs> and I was like, stood outside the door and I was like, oh, fuck, I shouldn't date white boy. Oh, God, what's I? I don't, uh, do I knock on the door? And then the other door, Nirvana. <laughs> Blasting Nirvana. And I was like, that's my door. Um, and that was, you know, that to me was the end of the 80s atrocities yeah. because this period of time is bringing up a lot of stuff for older people because I remember walking in New York City and, and the Anita Hill verdict came down and I remember thinking, I don't know, I don't know what's true or not, but I know as a black woman, no one's ever going to believe me. And it's really racist, isn't it? This world is really... And so then I kind of put a lot of that aside to be an actor. And now it's now it's the same. And according to my yeah. 80-something-year-old stepmother, who's lived through obviously the 60s, 50s, who's a black woman from the South, she says it's worse now than it's ever been. My parents insist Oy. that it's like less crazy than 1969, but I don't believe them because I'm like, I yeah. think we're at the same level at this point, at least. And they're but, like, you don't understand. Like, we thought everything might change. And I was like, that's how everyone feels now. <laughs> but yeah. here's, here's what I'll say. Yeah. if I Because you guys asked me to bring my tarot cards. I use a bunch of different decks, you guys, many, many different decks. But I would say if I had to pick a tarot card, right, there's heavy tarot cards, there's great tarot, tarot cards. But one thing I try to press in the book is I don't do reversals. I do high and low vibe, right? Mm-hmm. So even the worst card. Mm, like the devil yeah. has 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 a vibe where you can start to look at your bad habits, right? You can see some good in it. And I would say the card that represents now to me is the tower card. Is anyone, are you familiar with yeah. tarot? So the tower mm-hmm. card, oh, yeah. I- if you look at a traditional card, it's literally a reference to the Tower of Babel, really. Uh, and and that yeah. is when man had the hubris to think they could build a tower up to God. And God was like, yeah, no, Bam. And <laughs> and I'm going to make it so you all speak all different languages so you can't communicate. Kate, which is where Babel comes yeah. from, right? So um, the Tower of Babel is when the foundation of everything has been in shake, shaken. And in some ways, that card represents actual death, I think, more so than death card, right. you know? It's death, like death. L- yeah. literal evisceration, end of something. But the other side of the tarot card that I quite like is it is spiritual enlightenment. You know, you can have this epiphany, a bolt of lightning, a spiritual thing that is just as dramatic as an earthquake, right? So I think that represents to me this time period that we're in. And and again, I'm really great. I think if I was 17, I'd be losing my shit right now. I'm glad I'm I'm old enough to step back and go, "Mm mm-hmm. Yeah, uh-huh. We're, I'm, I, we have racist president. We have this. We have all these things. Yeah. But I understand that things will change because a lot of, uh, instead of being reactionary, like I went, oh, my God, like I would literally be uh, broken out in hives yeah. if I was younger now with the state of things. Because yeah. that's me. I break out in hives when I get nervous. So fun for shooting, by the way. <laughs> so fun. <laughs> this is maybe the kick in the ass some of my white liberal friends need to stop telling me that yeah. this isn't real. And it is opening a lot of people's eyes. And personally, I think there's at least three of my white friends who want me to <laughs> you know who you are. Um, I am certain that you will get them. Yes. We all know if, you're right. if not, I'll write about them in my book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now you can tell people that, that you're going to write the, about them in your book. How do you decide what to... Because I actually was like, oh, I'm going to use pseudonyms, first of all. But do I write about this thing where someone will be able to recognize themselves in it? And it's my opinion. 
I've heard that people are very bad at identifying themselves um, <laughs> in nonfiction. I think this if is... you change like one characteristic, they exactly never guess nobody. Oh, people really? are notoriously bad at this. If it's like no. a blonde person and you're like, they had brown hair, they will never. Yeah, know. they're it's, like, can't be me. It's true. A friend wrote about me in their book, and I read it, and I didn't recognize myself because he was like, she wore belly shirts, and I was like, I have never worn a goddamn belly. She shirt changed my... it. You're right. She you changed know, the yeah, thing. and yeah. and there was enough to make me not recognize. <laughs> myself yeah. in this thing. If you have a question or a comment or a tarot reading for Night Call. Oh, yes. Give us Especially a that. At 24046night. <laughs> or an email at nightcallpodcast at gmail.com. Also, please uh, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. And follow us on social media, Night Call Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and Night Call Pod on Twitter. And you can follow Rachel True as well on Instagram. I am true Rachel true at true Rachel true because this little girl won't give me my name back and I keep saying aren't you tired of the brothers hitting you up she doesn't answer me but whatever so at true Rachel true on Instagram and I'm most active on my stories by the way I love doing little stories. your stories are great I love great making stories. little shorts yeah, I love yeah. collages so I do I have more fun in the stories than I do on my main page and then I'm on Twitter at at Rachel true yeah. Cool. Little girl didn't get her hands on that one yet. Yeah. <laughs> no, she didn't. Pause <laughs> off. All my, I have no chance of my name on TikTok, apparently. So and we will talk. Well, yeah, we'll get your tarot deck when it comes out. And yeah, no, this was awesome. Oh, yeah. You. True Heart Intuitive Tarot. And oh, do you know when it's coming? Tentatively, it's True Heart Tarot uh, by Houghton Mifflin Harcourt. And publishing is slow as molasses. So it'll be 2020. Cool. Thank you so much yeah, for thank coming you on. So much. It was so great, great having you. you. Hey, thank you guys so much for having me. I love this podcast. I love smart people. So I was delighted to come on and, and mess up your flow. You're no, going to come not. back. You're coming back. Yeah, come back. You're officially, we're all in the coven now. Yep, you're in the coven. Hashtag. Yeah. <laughs> all right, talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Tired of restless nights? 
At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.